Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals, brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, Houston Business Journal Managing Editor Jonathan Adams is joined by David Magdal, President and Chief Investment Officer at Main Street Capital. The firm provides one-stop capital solutions for lower middle market companies seeking to grow or transition ownership. David, tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I moved to Texas back in 2002 to join Main Street and to help to uh, build out our platform. The uh, reason I moved to Texas was really because I loved the entrepreneurial spirit that existed in the state, the low tax rate, the ability to grow businesses and to have a spirit um, of entrepreneurialism. And if you work hard and you stay focused and you're a good person that you can build any kind of business you like in Texas. And that felt like the right type of environment for me to be a part of a a fund and a platform that was a, a growing platform. Can you tell me a little bit about Main Street Capital? Sure. Main Street's a publicly traded company. We started the platform back in 2002 and uh, went public uh, back in 2007. And the strategy we've had has always been the same, which is to work predominantly with family-owned businesses and help them and partner with them to to grow business they already have and have developed over over years of hard work. Uh, So we manage at at Main Street just over uh, $4.3 billion, most of which is in our public company. And we have uh, three different strategies we, uh, we execute. Two are debt-only strategies that are products we probably shouldn't focus on too much today for the purposes of our call. But uh, the other one's the core of what we've done since uh, O2, which is what we call our lower middle market strategy, which is the one that we make both debt and equity investments in smaller privately held businesses. And can you define what a lower middle market business is? Sure. So... There are about 175,000 lower middle market businesses in the United States today. We define the lower middle market as ones that have revenues of between 10 and 150 million. Really, for us, the target of size is more dependent on the profitability than the revenues, but that gives you a general idea of 10 to 150 million. And for us in the lower middle market, we're generalist investors. So we will invest in things ranging from manufacturing to distribution to business services, you name it, we've got it. And and the reason we love that so much is as an individual investor, if you think about your portfolio or many of the the listeners' portfolios, they probably have a, you know, shares in, in some public companies like Microsoft or Google or what have you. But getting access to that kind of a size business, a business that has great growth potential, that might be a a $50 million business owned in Houston, it's very difficult to get that kind of access. So by buying a share in Main Street, you can get diversity among 180 companies, 70 of which are in the lower middle market to invest in that, in that asset class. What would you say is the scope of Main Street Capital's portfolio? We have companies all across the United States. Uh, we are not focused exclusively in Texas. But, you know, we do have a focus and a preference to do business in the state of Texas. Uh, since we started back in, in 02, we've made over 50 investments uh, in the state of Texas in portfolio companies and lower middle market businesses located in Texas. And right now we've got 23 uh, in Texas, 11 of which are in Houston. They range from in all sorts of different types of industries. We've got 
company called Chamberlain uh, Roofing and Waterproofing. It's one of the largest roofing and waterproofing uh, companies in the United States and certainly in this region. We've got a company named Center Technologies that supports companies on an IT basis. We've got a consigned RV dealership named PPL. We've got a company that does uh, plating and uh, it's called Houston Plating and different kinds of uh, metal finishes on products uh, for all different industries. So, you know, we, we have companies across the country, but we do have an emphasis here in Texas. What kind of changes? How have you seen like things evolved since 2002? Sure. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. A lot has changed and a lot stayed the same. Relative to the, uh, the business where we, we spend the majority of our time with these uh, smaller privately held businesses, you know, the same issues that existed back in 02 for those uh, families still exist today. There is a, uh, there's still retirement to contend with. There's still family-based issues, opportunities to uh, grow, but the capital availability may not be there. Uh, so, so a lot of the, the actual core thesis that started us in this business back in 02 still exists very strongly today. What has changed is, uh, as you can imagine, a lot of the technology uh, implications in the businesses. And, uh, you know, COVID has obviously changed a whole lot with regards to different markets and some businesses struggling and others uh, thriving as much as we don't like to talk about that as much. How do you tackle those issues of retirement and other family-based things? The way we look at the, uh, the business is at the end of the day, uh, it's about the business. It's not about the constituents with us as investors or uh, the sellers exclusively as, as uh, people are looking to get liquidity. Generally, what we do is we, we try to align interests and we think about the company first. Ultimately, there are only two ways to capitalize a business, right? One is with debt capital and one's with equity capital. And we're always balancing and trying to figure out what is an appropriate amount of debt to have on a business, make sure we utilize that lower cost capital. Always Debt is always lower cost than equity and how we balance uh, the need for external equity. And it's striking that balance of, of uh, typically talking at length and really acting as a uh, sounding board for the owner of the business to figure out what their goals and objectives are and then customizing a capital structure by way of our investment to make sure that we set the company up for success and that we meet the, the owner's objectives. Sometimes that means that they, they end up uh, selling a, a majority stake in their business. Sometimes that is a minority stake and sometimes it can be a debt-only product. It's just really acting in a very uh, consultative way with that owner and their management team to try to figure out an outcome that works for everyone. So what role would you say Main Street Capital plays here in Houston? So if you look at the landscape, just generally in the marketplace across the country, there tend to be uh, two major buckets that investors fall in as they approach the, uh, the lower middle market. There's equity investors who exclusively generally invest only in the equity products and the ownership positions. And there are debt investors who are more playing for defense and making sure they get their capital back, not so much for taking excessive risk. So we kind of play in both those two uh, sandboxes. So it's a matter of balancing and making sure that we put ourselves and the company in a position for success within the Houston community. You know, we've been around for, for some time. The predecessor uh, funds to Main Street were around in the late 90s. Uh, the team of five of us came together in 02 to execute on this strategy. And so within Houston, uh, it's, you know, such a, an entrepreneurial um, place and uh, what we find is that we get a lot of incoming calls from uh, business owners that are looking to do something, not really sure what the right avenue is to, 
to seek out uh, as far as the timing and the structure. And so we, we tend to get a lot of incoming calls and we have a lot of conversations. Some lead nowhere and others uh, make it all the way down the road to a, a successful transaction. What trends are you currently seeing in the lower middle market? Good question. What we are seeing more and more of uh, in our portfolio and in our opportunity sets are minority equity uh, transactions. So, you know, when you think about a very prolific economy and one with great certainty, what ends up happening is there's lots of, you know, frenzied nature around selling. And uh, business owners are obviously looking for peak earnings and peak multiples for valuation to take the majority of their chips off the table when that's appropriate. And so in, in an environment where uh, both those two things are, are happening together, meaning their company is performing exceptionally well and the capital availability is, is robust, that tends to be a time when, when sellers will, will or business owners will liquidate the majority of their ownership interests. What we're seeing today is less certainty because of COVID and the current environment we're in. Banks are more reluctant to lend excessive amounts of capital uh, to companies. And private equity uh, as an asset class is uh, very focused on exit timing. And so most private equity looks at making investments in five-year chunks. So the question is, what's the visibility and how do they make certain that they can be in a good position in in a five-year period of time? So what we've seen for our practice is more and more emphasis on two things. One, are potentially selling the minority interest in the company. And that's a good portion of what we're seeing right now as opposed to majority interest in the company. Uh, and the second is uh, for us uh, at Main Street, because we provide 100% of the capital, both the debt and equity to closing, we see a real emphasis on business owners and their advisors really liking the fact that when they transact with us, of the capital is coming from Main Street. There's no raising capital from third parties and going to seek that out. So the certainty to close is greater, which which gives uh, business owners and their advisors a lot of comfort. You kind of touched on it a few times that COVID has really messed things up for people (laughs) a little bit. Um, Can you elaborate on that some? Yeah, I mean, so it's it's very dependent on the on the company and the markets they're in, and you know, I'd say there's also opportunity. So we have had a couple of our portfolio companies come to us, and uh, where there's been there have been others uh, who are struggling in the in the industry to come to us for acquisition capital to capitalize on, uh, you know, dislocation in the market. There's also been uh, a real interest in taking this time when things are slower for some businesses to to really think about their strategy and their long-term plan and investing for the future and both in you know, capital as it relates to human capital and also in plant expansions and such. So it's very dependent on the industry. Consumer habits have changed quite a bit, uh, purchasing habits. That's changed a lot of the type of successes and challenges we've seen. As you can imagine, restaurants are having a more challenging time. We've also seen a lot of consumer habits with purchasing of things that are going into their homes as expanding uh, quite rapidly in this time. So it's just a matter of, you know, very specifically looking at the company and the opportunity sets that exist because it's very different outcomes depending on what segment they're in. What role would you say the lower middle market businesses have and have played in the pandemic? You know, the lower middle market for us really just defines size, but we've seen quite a bit are managers who've been around for a long period of time uh, working 
first and foremost at making sure that they've taken care and given a lot of thoughtfulness to the uh, to their workforce and to making people understand that their well-being is is at the forefront of uh, their thoughts and their actions. Uh, so, you know, lower middle market businesses tend to be less institutionalized because they're smaller. They have less of the large corporate kind of culture. They're uh, very cohesive as a group. That's a general statement. So, you know, I think that there's been a lot of goodwill bought uh, with the managers of those businesses through the actions that they've taken, whether that's uh, working with folks to to do philanthropic things like donate to food banks, whether that's, you know, being thoughtful and, and trying to figure out ways to work in the distant work environment where people are working from home and making those environments more comfortable. I just think it's the actions of those smaller business leaders that will really pay dividends with their workforces going forward. I guess across the country, COVID cases have been kind of on the rise again. How do you think this will ultimately affect that sector? Uh, Gee, so I wish I knew. It's a challenging question. We look at COVID cases, you know, Texas alone, and I'm not, certainly this isn't an area of expertise for me, but, you know, some of the statistics are very confusing to get to the bottom of. Uh, If you look at El Paso and the the terrible spikes that they're seeing in cases out there, it's it's drastically different than other areas in the state. So, you know, we kind of are, are being very thoughtful to work with our companies to to make sure that they've got the right policies and procedures and are giving their workforces the right tools to be safe in this environment. Uh, but gee, as far as the, the pandemic and whether we, uh, we see it, you know, continued spikes or not, it's very difficult to predict. Uh, so probably outside of my expertise. I gotcha. How do you think it affects uh, Main Street Capital? One of the great things we have at Main Street as far as our strategy in the lower middle market is we invest in both the debt and the equity securities in the companies we uh, were involved with. So why that's so important is when things go badly for a specific company in a specific industry, all the partners in the business can, can be, go through a time of stress. And when you've got an equity ownership uh, that's different than the debt ownership, you know, you can get varying degrees of, of confidence in a business. And sometimes banks where they've got larger portfolios that might be stressed, they're not always given the opportunity by their investment committees and their credit uh, backgrounds to, to uh, be able to be patient capital. So one of the great things we have as a public company and with the capital structure we have in the individual companies we invest in is to be really long-term investors and to not knee-jerk on what might be happening at any one moment in time, whether that's COVID or a loss of a major customer or what have you. Uh, the platform we have as a public company allows us to really be long-term investors. So while we might have a period of dislocation as it relates to COVID or other specific matters as it relates to the, to the company, by having this long-term investment strategy, we can really put the company in a position for long-term success and give them comfort because we've got lots of capital availability to be able to support those businesses as, as uh, time goes on. And so how has Main Street Capital kind of navigated everything that's been going on since March? I'd say that the, the first thing that we did was to really, as a firm, make sure we were a valuable resource to our portfolio companies where there was a lot of stress out there relative to what was happening. Uh, cash is king. Um, so we were doing uh, helping our companies to do a lot of forecasting and downside scenarios and helping them to rationally think about 
what their plans should be, uh, supplies for things like face masks and uh, the like. So, you know, we went through a period of just like everyone did, I think, out there in the general economy and personally go through this this period of shock. And then it was get back to business and, and help to uh, make the best that you can in the circumstances in the hand that was dealt to you. So initially, it was really reaching out to each one of our portfolio companies and seeing how they were being impacted and what we could do to be of assistance and one of the nice things we have with as many portfolio companies as we have, you know, we've got 70 companies for which we have ownership positions, and um, quite a few of them are based in Texas. So there are ways that they can help each other and just use best practices and resources and the like. And so we, we do see, you know, an opportunity to, to really work with those companies on introductions and on support that otherwise is an individual company that wouldn't have quite as, as uh, much of a uh, resource pool. Main Street Capital President and Chief Investment Officer David Magdal joining Houston Business Journal Managing Editor Jonathan Adams. In our next segment, Magdal shares what's top of mind for lower middle market business owners when Texas Business Minds continues. I'm Rich Gregasco, President and CEO of Texas Mutual Insurance Company. To everyone who has been hard at work providing the things we need during this crisis, we say thank you. You truly are essential and we're proud to be on the job with you. More at TexasMutual.com slash on the job. Continuing our conversation on Texas Business Minds as Main Street Capital's David Magdal offers insight with Houston Business Journal Managing Editor Jonathan Adams. So in what ways do you see like a Biden administration affecting middle market, lower middle market businesses? As far as the politics of it all, probably not an area of expertise for me. What I will share is that as a result of the election, uh, leading up to the election and, and, and still now, we're seeing a lot of uh, interest in, in taxes uh, for entrepreneurs and for family-owned businesses and what uh, what potential changes might take place and planning in and around it. And so, again, for our business, we've seen more of that come by virtue of minority sale transactions looking to take some liquidity off the table uh, when there's a known tax environment. We spend a lot of time working with those companies and their advisors on tax issues. That's the biggest impact I think overall we're seeing uh, with our with our target audience as far as new prospective portfolio companies in the lower middle market and even with our existing portfolio companies. So what are some misconceptions you would say are about uh, Main Street Capital? You know, I think that there's a misconception sometimes overall with private equity. There's a lot of negative press out there. Um, and I think every investor is very different on the way that they make money and how they look to add value. And so for me, it's, you know, with family-owned businesses, it's knowing what you're looking for in a partner and what value you think you, you want someone to bring. Is it a deep expertise on operations? Is it looking for uh, supply chain relationships in Asia? Or is it more financial in nature, acquisition capital or plant expansion capital or family estate planning types of capital? And so, you know, one of the, I think, overall misconceptions out there is that uh, as a public company, uh, sometimes from the outside looking in, people perceive us as a large organization. At the end of the day, we have uh, lots of teams and lots of employees that work 
uh, on a very detailed basis with those portfolio companies. And so, uh, you know, sometimes there's this view towards a corporate culture that really is seamless for the portfolio companies and actually is really advantageous for those portfolio companies. Earlier, you kind of mentioned uh, minority sale transactions. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. So when you think about the, the alternatives available for a business owner that's looking for either liquidity for estate planning or alternatively looking to, to grow their business, uh, or maybe it's a growing business where they don't have enough capital to support the growth that's taking place. There's a process they're probably going through on where they can raise that type of capital for whatever th- those various uh, reasons might be if they're, they're looking for external capital. And so the question is, gee, how do folks feel about seeding control? A lot of times we transact with businesses that are 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years old uh, and been in the family for that, that whole period of time. And so it's scary to think about selling the majority of your business. And to be candid, the, the investment banking process is a bit broken. I don't know how you fix it, but it's broken in the sense that uh, when an investment banker or business broker is hired to advise a company, the way the process works is they put materials together, they go to their target audience, Main Street, other types of investors, and uh, we have a meeting. And you know that meeting is generally a, uh, a face-to-face meeting that lasts a couple hours. And then we're asked to go away and to provide a sense of value on the business. What do we think the business is worth? And what would our structure look like? Well, that business owner or family now has to make a decision, uh, having had maybe five meetings like this, maybe it's 10, maybe it's fewer, just depends on the process. And after a couple hours, enter into a non-binding letter of intent for who their new partner is going to be. And that really scares a lot of folks. And it's unnatural to have a process where after a couple hours of an initial meeting, you're you're going to agree to on a non-binding basis, but nonetheless spend you know uh, several weeks negotiating and working on uh, the diligence items, then going into formal documentation on acquisition docs and loan docs and the like. So what we find very often is that process is intimidating. And ultimately, business owners look at their needs of capital, and they don't necessarily need to sell the majority of their business to achieve the same goals and objectives of either liquidity or growth capital. So a growing trend for us, and we think overall in the business, when I talk about minority transactions, it's selling less than the majority ownership in their business. So that can mean anything from 49% down to a single digit type of sale. Um, From our perspective, what that does is it aligns interests because now we and the owner of the business, if they stay in the majority control position, are driving towards growing that the business together and for them driving their majority ownership to a greater value in the future than it is today. And hopefully our capital can help them to do that, whether that's leaving a bunch of capital and the primary use is to put the growth capital on the business, or whether that's to provide some liquidity. So owners, and, and this just tends to be what happens over time, an owner that's in their 60s has a different risk profile than an owner in their 20s or 30s. 20 and 30-year-old uh, business owners do a lot of reinvestment. When you're in your 60s, uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, there's more of an interest in taking free cash flow out uh, of the business. So it provides you know, this opportunity to uh, have a new partner provide capital into the business and then to help to think strategically for the first time, usually with our institutional uh, ownership position, what the business can provide as far as 
uh, value opportunities over the over the uh, the future, uh, whether that's three years or ten or fifteen years of time. Can you talk a little bit more about why you think it is that younger folks are reinvesting more often? Yeah, so uh, just nature of human nature, I guess. When you're young and starting out and building a business, there tends to be more of a uh, a tendency to uh, take the free cash flow from the business and reinvest it. Uh, because you have less needs by way of family, uh, by way of uh, taking care of future generations and the like, you're in the growth phase, the building phase of a business. And again, this is a generalization. It's not true in all cases at all, but it's uh, human nature. And then with founders or owners of businesses who are further on, you know, there are more responsibilities, more need for cash, higher lifestyle needs. Uh, so the business uh, can have more capital taken out of it. And so that's simply what I was referring to is that at different stages, businesses have different uh, constituents, different owners that have uh, different needs within that business. And so we think that our coming in and providing that capital to take some of the pressure off, if it's a a business that's uh, uh, got owners that are more into taking capital out than reinvesting, it can give an opportunity for the business to benefit more from having more capital availability. And by the way, sometimes that happens with younger owners too, where there's a need for capital coming out of a business. We've seen it in a a couple of instances where we've had uh, younger entrepreneurs that own their businesses that wanted to take capital out to provide for their family. They have, uh, you know, ill parents or kids that they uh, have. We have had an instance where we had an entrepreneur who had adopted a number of children abroad and wanted to provide for their education and make sure that he had taken care of their future. Uh, While he was young himself, he wanted to, that was a real goal for him, uh, to to go through the transaction. So it's just risk mitigation and trying to figure out how we can best structure something to put the founder of the business or the owner of the business in the best position for success and the business in the best position for success. Earlier, you kind of mentioned that, you, uh, that Main Street works a lot with like family businesses. How could a family business preserve their legacy? Yeah, so that's, that's one of the uh, areas we really focus a lot of our time and energy on. Uh, we have very little in the way of egos at Main Street. We do the best we can to facilitate a uh, marketplace introduction of Main Street that is quiet in the background. In some instances, uh, founders want to talk about Main Street's capital availability and the fact that they have a really strong partner with billions of dollars of capital behind them. In other instances, no one really is very aware in their industry that a transaction's taken place. So we spend a lot of time talking about what the family is trying to achieve. And then we collectively work on that messaging uh, as a part of the transaction. Thanks to Main Street Capital President and Chief Investment Officer, David Magdahl, for joining us. And thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Texas Business Journals. And brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas.